0: Welcome to BioCentury This Week. I'm Jeff Cranmer, Executive Editor of BioCentury, and I'm joined by
1: Simon Fishburne, Editor-in-Chief and Karen tusman Senior Editor.
0: On this week's pod, how does Vertex plan to drive growth? What's next in MS? And our deal in focus sees two ADC plays complete a cross-border deal. First up, Vertex. It's a household name for CF. It's also known for its serial innovation strategy, which Jeffrey Leiden kicked off in 2012 when he took over as CEO. The company has spent the past three years building capabilities across new modalities and has done quite a few interesting deals along the way. And now it has a new CEO in Reshma Kewa-Romney and nearly $7 billion in cash to put toward growth. We spoke with EVP of Global Research and CSO, David Altshuler. Our pal Lauren actually did that interview, and she is uh, in her sick bed watching Paw Patrol at the moment. But we do have Simone here to give us her thoughts on what Vertex is doing to continue to expand beyond CF.
1: Right. Thanks, Jeff. So yes, to reiterate, Lauren Martz, our senior editor, actually wrote the story and did the interview and can't join us, sadly, today. hope to have her back soon. But one of the reasons we care, well, we care about everybody, right? But one of the angles that we look at when we look at Vertex is here's a company with a roughly $50 billion market cap that has taken products to market by itself in some cases with a lot of back and forth with payers, certainly in the European theater of operations, shall we say, how does Vertex grow? How does Vertex become the next Amgen or Genentech or whichever you want, enter that class of independent biotechs, what we call big biotechs, that are self-sustaining? And what is interesting about Vertex strategy, a couple of things really stood out to me from the interview that Lauren did. One is that Vertex says, we are not going to be a hammer in search of a nail. We're not going to say, this is our modality now, or our technology, what fixes it? What we're going to do is say, what is an indication where we can really solve that indication? So looking at a disease area or a set of specific indication, and then bringing whatever tools they have to bear, in some cases via partnerships or in a couple of places, acquisitions, to really tackle that disease. And I thought that was an interesting strategy that they've come up with. And so they've done this spate of deals over the last few years that have really brought in a range of different technologies from cell therapies, gene editing, mRNA, antibodies, and of course, small molecules. And they're actually looking at a a range of classes of diseases. So Vertex is confident that it can bring, with those deals, it can bring the expertise
2: in-house that it needs.
0: Karen, any thoughts on what you've been seeing out
2: of Vertex? Well, one of the things I thought was interesting about looking at their deal flow is that in the small molecule space, the the deals we called out, they're not your standard small molecules. we have got Skyhawk, Ribometrics, and Chimera. Sometimes I think about, do we call these actually new modalities, even though they're small molecules? Because in Skyhawk's case, they're going after sort of RNA targeting small molecules, Ribometrics in that space as well. And then Chimera, of course, has the targeted degraders. So it's interesting to see that even within the small molecule arena, they're branching out to new ways of engaging targets.
0: Cool. Well, speaking of branching out, we're seeing a lot of innovation in MS therapies. Companies developing the next gen MS therapies are looking beyond B-cells. Karen, you've been digging into this. Your story is coming out this week. Without giving away too much, what are the biggest trends you're seeing in MS innovations?
2: Well, it's interesting because at the level of marketed therapies and phase three readouts, there's a lot of focus on B-cells, B-cell depleting antibodies and BTK inhibitors. I took a look earlier on in the pipeline to see what's going on in early stage clinical trials and looked within our archives database and beyond to see what are emerging companies doing, what does deal flow look like, and what's coming out of academia as reflected in our distillery. And as Many of you know MS is when the immune system goes rogue, starts attacking, in particular, the myelin sheaths that protect neurons, protect axons, and the resulting damage leads to disease. And so, a lot of the focus before was around stopping pathogenic B cells or with the S1P1 modulators, the migration of T cells, but it does that in a pretty global way. One of the concerns, for example, is with MS patients are they going to be mounting antibody responses with COVID vaccines if all their B cells are? wiped out. And so there's increasingly a focus for more selective immune targeting strategies. And so one big trend there that we can see in our emerging companies is around Tregs. And of course, we had a little roundup of just the Treg space last week. So there, the idea is that you are going to recruit these immunosuppressive T cells to the sites of disease to tamp down inflammation. And the idea being that you're really tamping it down in a localized way rather than globally. That was one major trend. Another one is the remyelination side. Can you restore the myelin sheath that protects the neurons? And the big focus there is on either increasing the survival or differentiation or just activity of oligodendrocytes, the cells that produce myelin. It's been interesting to see what Mechanisms have been, or or what the activity has been like there. One trial we're looking out for is from Pipeline Therapeutics. This was founded by versant and it's following up on some work at UCSF that identified some unexpected remyelinating activity from antihistamine drugs. And it turned out that it happened to be around a, a different target, sort of an off-target activity of that for target CHRM1. So Pipeline is now the one developing. small molecule therapy specifically trying to get at that activity. Two other mechanisms that stood out were going after viruses that might be exacerbating the pathology of MS. And Atara has a cell therapy doing that where they're going after progressive MS, which is a particularly difficult indication. And another side that we saw particularly deal activity with is trying to counter neuronal inner injury. And one of the big targets there is SARM1. And we saw the deal last year with Eli Lilly acquiring disarm to go after a number of indications, including MS.
1: So Karen, there's clearly a lot of activity in MS, and it's a very different disease from even 10 years ago, large number of companies involved there. What about on the preclinical front? What does that look like?
2: Well, What's nice is that our distillery allows us to take a snapshot look at translationally relevant research that has been coming out of academia. And so just looking at the distillery items that we've captured over the last two years, it really seems like the balance of activity is toward decreasing immune activation with fewer papers that we were capturing, at least going after remyelination strategies or neuronal injury. It was also interesting to take a look within that two-year window at what's been most highly cited as a very loose proxy for what are people following up on what generated the most interest. The two that stood out there, one was actually a gene therapy in the complement pathway to decrease neuronal injury. And that was from Dorothy Schaefer out of the University of Massachusetts Medical School. And another one was around short-chain fatty acid pentanoid and this was from Alexander Viscaruna at Phillips University Marburg, who I think looks a lot at fatty acids in immunity.
0: Karen, what companies are furthest along of this new crop? Are there any late stage programs that you're watching?
2: Well, this story in particular focused on the early stage end of the pipeline, but certainly at the late stage, the BTK space is a very hot competitive area. There's I think three programs in phase three. And there was a deal last year, the takeout of Principia by Sanofi for 3.4 billion, indicating that at that late stage, inhibiting B cell activity does seem to be a, a key focus.
0: Excellent. Well look forward to reading your piece. Hopefully I'll get to be an editor on it as well. All right. Let's turn to the deal in focus. Last week, Remagen completed a deal with CGEN that drove the Chinese company's valuation well over seven billion. The deal gives CGen a very savvy ADC player that used to be known as, anyone remember?
1: Seattle Genetics.
0: Love, love the new name. Like the old name, the deal gives CGen most global rights to an anti-HER2 antibody drug conjugate that the partners believe is differentiated from other ADCs against the target. They also think it can address conditions for which others haven't been approved. What are some of those indications that you've uh, seen these guys getting ready to go after, Karen?
2: Well, definitely the front runner indication for HER2 ADCs is breast cancer we've seen success in gastric cancer as well. So it's interesting to see Remgen put a focus on more underserved indications. And that includes urothelial cancer, HER2 overexpressing bilary tract cancer, non-small cell lung cancer, and also they're going after HER2 low expressing breast cancer, expressing low levels of their target. So I guess they believe that they've got the affinity to go after that. Cool. And
0: well, the deal fills a gap in the pipeline of ADCs being developed by the company formerly known as Seattle Genetics. It complements their oral tyrosine kinase inhibitor against HER2 that reached the market last year. Our colleague, Paul Bonanos spoke with Remagen's CEO, he's also the CSO and co-founder, Jinmin Fang, who told us that Dicitamab, which is the molecule in the deal, it uses a homegrown monoclonal antibody that has a higher affinity for HER2 than Herceptin, which is used in other conjugates. CGen is paying $200 upfront. Milestones could add $2.4 billion to the deal's value. Remogen is also eligible for royalties. Well, that story is on our website, biocentry.com. And coming up in BioCentury, in addition to KTT's MS story, we'll also have our annual back-to-school issue. Now, for those of you who are new to -to back-to-school, it is our annual essay, series of stories about what we deem to be one of the most pressing concerns-facing industry. We've tackled drug pricing. We've tackled the social contract. Major issues. We do a super deep dive. And for those of you who have access to our archives, you can find all of the back to schools that we've done since the beginning of BioCentury. Some great issues there. And we'll begin rolling out this year's back to school on August 30th with fresh content coming out every day for a week. And on next week's pod, Simone will join us and give us a little bit of a preview. Well, that's all we have time for. All of BioCentury's podcasts are available on Spotify, Stitcher, Apple, and Google. Kendall Square Orchestra provides the music for our podcast. The group connects science and technology professionals and other members of the greater Boston community to collaborate, innovate, and inspire through music while supporting causes related to healthcare and education.